Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Hey everyone, welcome back and uh, thank you for listening. Uh, This is Collapse Talk and uh, I hope you're having a good time and keeping your head up and just doing what you can considering how uh, how dire things seem at the moment honestly the world has been in worse positions before uh, all this madness but yeah we're in an unprecedented territory to say the least so you know as I'm recording today um, you might notice uh, some noise you know i wanted to record in a more quieter setting i probably should have done this earlier um but we are um kind of in the uh eve of a major weather event so i'm just gonna have to record and edit this uh really quickly because it's expected to have like some serious tornadoes and hail and flash flooding so (laughs) this is kind of like the quiet before the storm although there's still some wind and yeah, I've been trying to warn people about what's um what's coming our way and they're like, "Really? Oh, like so I'm just like, fuck, like I don't know. I'm hoping for the best, um but right now I just wanted to at least record and get this out of the way, get this done quickly in case like the power goes out." But yeah, um other other than that though, I wanted to continue just talking about just the recent events and I I'm still going to focus primarily on this Ukraine war cuz i mean this is like it's just crazy to watch and unfold um it's like you know it's like a horror movie like you just can't watch it like you can't look away at the same time it's horrific and it's just like ah what is this like um so i, I yeah like that's kind of like i don't want to downplay it in that sense but it's just like wow like and you know so many people are so uninformed about it i mean i don't blame them cuz this is a really like you know depressing situation to learn about but you know i do my program so i have to stay informed and honestly it is um uh interesting to just see uh how just how modern warfare forces are uh just forces us to adapt or not us i mean us as humans forces uh the russian forces to adapt and um just do their best because they're really fucking up. They're um, people are just like characterizing them as a, a laughing stock. Really, I I feel that they're just like trying to like pick things up a bit. Um, they're I mean the the Institute for the Study of War they officially declared a stalemate. They've failed in their initial uh, invasion phase, so the war is starting to evolve. Uh, it's starting to become more long range. Uh, they're using missiles and artillery. Uh, because they ha- they don't have air superiority, they still haven't secured that, so they have to use you know m- munitions. They have to start shooting it, and uh, they're just gonna have to start slowly encircling the cities. And this is gonna become a war of attrition. Yeah, man. Uh, I think Russia is in for a really bad time in in terms of this war. And then now we have this uh, you know the whole world is just gonna isolate Russia. Uh, like this is this is really really bad. This is unprecedented. This level of isolation, and I feel like it is overboard. I really do. I understand, though. I mean, because like we can't keep doing business with, with you know, because this is like unacceptable. This war, but I feel like this is gonna have some unintended consequences. It, it could drive you know the populace further towards isolationism and uh, just fanatical ultranationalism like it it could really get that way because things are going to get so bad like because uh, uh, it's a pride thing you know uh, I I will say there are there probably are like you know a lot of the younger people they don't like Putin and certainly you know yeah there's certainly a lot of people that want more democratic changes and want to rid the corruption um but just Russia has just had like a history of just corrupt oligarchies and 
authoritarian systems and I'm certainly not qualified to, to comment on like why that's the case, but that's just that has been the history. Maybe it's the just the geography and the conditions that force people to, you know, live under the boot of a strong man. Who who knows? Like there's so many theories. We can talk about that all day. Um, but just for right now, I just want to say at least like you know, because this is a very nuanced situation. People want to pretend like it is good and evil, and in some aspects, it is that way. But it, it it's still very gray and nuanced. And you know, it, like it, I, I want to like I, I really want to say things, but at the same time, I don't want to make a statement. And then like I I can't even frame it. It's just like because there's so many nuances now. Like you know, of course, uh, say like with Zelensky, right? He's uh, been a figure, you know, he's been the, the poster boy, right? Like, people are, like, fanboying, like, the, the groupies, and, like, it's crazy. Like, you know, the celebrity media and fanatical worship of charismatic figures that we have in this commercialized consumer media. Yeah, it's just, uh, I, you know... It's turning this situation like into a movie because that's the only way people can frame it, and I've been guilty of that also. Like, because that's the only because this is just unprecedented. We we can't even frame like what's happening to us right now. Like, so with Zelensky, you know, I, I want to say at least that I do have respect for the guy because he's standing up and he's saying like, "Oh, I don't need a ride. I need ammunition." And it's just like, like, dude, this fucking guy, you know. And yeah, man, you know, I, I can't help but respect him, but. Recently, there's been some developments, and he's taken some steps with, uh, in terms of uh, curbing, you know, opposition forces, you know, quote unquote pro-Russian uh, sentiments in, you know, the government, or you know, just like political opposition. It's just like, okay, this is uh, not a good step. And I read also uh, about somebody he they they were talking about how. Uh, Zelensky had essentially a, basically a role model. And it, the, that role model's name was uh, Stepan Bandera. And this was effectively just like an ultra-nationalist figure during uh, World War II. And, you know, this is a... Uh, you know, the, the more I look into it, I'm like, huh, man, these uh, Nazi ties are a lot deeper. Hmm. So it's... Uh, it's so yeah this is a very nuanced situation i don't i'm not saying that Zelensky is a nazi but like just seeing the things that are happening now and like especially with like the azov of uh units because like this war is like they're getting good combat experience they're getting weapons and arms and they're they're getting recruits and people and it's just like hmm what's gonna happen after this war is done i think it's not going to be good, like, because it's just like, oh, my God, like, just to think about it. And, you know, there's also uh, just you, you see how, like, the Russians are just, like, leaving behind, like, uh, just armored units because they're getting stuck in the mud. So they have, that's, that's why they're stuck on the roads right now, because the mud is sucking up all these uh, trucks and tanks. And then the... The farmer comes along and tows it away with the tractor. So, like, you know how many civilians right now have, like, possession of, like, like state-of-the-art? Well, I shouldn't say state-of-the-art because a lot of this is, like, run-down stuff. But it's more just, it's, like, still, like, can you imagine, like, just, like, farmers with tanks and, like, they're just defending? Like, dude, this is crazy. Like, what's happening? And... Yeah, man. So everything that's happening, you know, the the media isn't presenting it uh, fully. They're certainly not, you know, going to talk about like, huh, the Nazi ties and like there, there there's been like NATO just put out a tweet about these like, oh, these anti-Soviet partisans fighting in World War Two. It's like, hmm, who were fighting? Who also were fighting the Soviets in World War Two? It's just like, you know, it's like, hmm, this is this is very interesting. Interesting what's happening. And then I also want to talk about um in terms of like russian ice russian isolationism because there's the economic isolationism but then there's the now they're 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 um 
I've read somewhere like some college courses where they've taken out Dostoevsky, like, and, it, and soon enough, like, what? I'm not gonna find Tolstoy, like, because War and Peace is gone. When is it? When does it end? Like, people, that this is tragic. I, you know, there's a lot of emotions. People are very emotional, and of course, they don't understand like the full nuances, so they can only attribute. They can say, "Oh, Russia. We gotta hate Russia now." And this is the way America has always been when it comes to attacks from other countries. I mean, Russia hasn't attacked us, but we're, we're in a new Cold War. That's what's happening. In fact, a um, Russian or uh, a U.S. diplomat in Moscow was summoned. Hmm, summoned. We summon you, sir. Uh, they, you know, President Biden called Putin a war criminal, and that's of course gonna make Putin upset, and it's gonna make the government upset. They can't, you know, you can't be calling, you know, and it's ironic considering it's the U.S. government calling Russian government war criminals. It's just like, oh man, where where, where are things heading right now? Because if diplomatic uh, talks break down with U.S. or just the West and Russia, where are things gonna go? Uh, it's just wow, man. So that's uh, what I'll at least talk about for the moment, um, and I'll keep talking uh, about this uh, war situation. Quoting from the Institute for the Study of War, or ISW. But before I do that, at least you know, I also want to talk about you know the developments from the uh, Foreign Legion, the Volunteer Foreign Legion in Ukraine. You know, everybody was all rah-rah about that, and I know there's a, a subreddit uh, about that. <laughs> but, yeah, they were, you know, deploying them, and th- they had they had operators, and, you know, they had people from all over the world. And, like, people with, like, serious combat experience. So, you know, this is, like, basically, like, you know... It, like, they can't fight, you know, think about it. Like, you can't have, like, Navy SEALs, U.S. Navy SEALs fighting, like, Spetsnaz and Chechen forces. So, the retired ones that are no longer under oath with the United States government, like, oh, no, I'm just a civilian. I'm just a tourist. <laughs> they just got all these guns and, wow, man. But, yeah, so that's basically what's happened. And they could have put, like, some serious, like, force you know they could have been some pretty good good effective uh they they've could have had some good use on the field although i don't think the ukrainian government would have utilized them well but yeah it, it's um so so they i read somewhere like about 20,000 uh foreign uh legionaries so yeah they were ready to deploy them and they were at this base and uh some of you may have uh, already you know not read by now they got absolutely obliterated they got bombed with missiles and they had i mean they had jets just hovering over them and just poof, poof, just and they used uh, the thermal the thermobaric uh warheads um and for those who don't know what the, how that works or what that is is essentially it's a warhead that deploys you know over the target so it's basically an airburst or it releases the aerosols, which combusts the, you know, with the oxygen. And so that ignites, of course, creates an explosion. And then it, it creates a pressure differential, I guess. And, you know, the, the air gets sucked back in. That's why it's called a vacuum bomb. So, yeah, it's a, a, like just a devastating weapon. I, it can completely, like, incinerate human bodies like we're just completely reduce you to carbon so it's not a good weapon and they're using this the russians are using this against civilians they're but they're all you know it's just crazy what they're doing but they're also you know using it i mean that's what they did with the um with the legionary uh encampment i guess it was a base that they had some training center which is crazy like they had all the the coordinates and people were recording like this in date dude like i 
I hope to God I never find myself in like a trench line and then some guy's doing a TikTok dance. I'm like, are you fucking kidding me right now? There's like dead bodies all over the place. Like, <laughs> like this was, that's just what's going to happen. But it's, um, yeah, like people were, uh, I guess, filming and recording. So the Russians already knew where the base was. And they already knew that, the oh, there is uh, high experienced troops here, foreign legionaries here. Uh, let's bomb the shit out of them. And that's exactly what happened. And now those foreign troops are leaving. And, uh, yeah, some of the reports that are coming from them, uh, they're saying, like, oh, uh, like, like, they had to get pulled aside by some humanitarian workers, some social workers, because, like, anybody over the age of 18 is getting pulled out, especially if you had signed on as a foreign legion, like, Dude, like, they're, they're not kidding. And they're just telling people, like, do not come here because they are going to throw you out there just so they can waste the ammo. And then they'll, like, it's just like, yeah, you're, you, like, you're nothing. You know, I, and I, I'm kind of glad I never had that, like, 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 not for a second did I ever think of doing that. So, yeah, like, as you've read, like I said, my line would have been, say, Finland or the ba- Baltic states. But ne- I, I never for a second, like, I seriously thought, yeah, I'm going to go to Ukraine. Like, that has never been a thought in my mind. And, you know, I'm, I'm really, because, like, I understand, I actually understand what war is. With the limited, well, no, zero experience with combat. But, like, you know, people are saying, oh, yeah, you, you're, you, you thought this was Call of Duty. Well, I don't play Call of Duty. <laughs> I play Arma and Squad. So, yeah, it's completely random. You have zero control of when it happens and yeah yeah there's no regeneration there's no checkpoints (laughs) so so yeah so that's happening at least i mean people are still gonna go and they're gonna fight so no good for them but yeah i think um you know this war is just really reaching a stalemate they're they're having talks and you know they've already kind of declared that or Ukraine has already made, you know, declarations that they aren't going to join NATO and also asking for security guarantees. So they're going to continue these talks. But despite what, you know, agreements and treaties are signed, like the devastation of this war is going to be something that's irreparable. And... I don't know how what, what Putin is thinking, like especially considering how poorly these uh, troops are performing. Like their their the morale is low. The, the the supply lines are completely over. You know, I mean, th- okay, not even like over overwhelmed or overdrawn. Like just they don't even exist. There's no supply lines to begin with. They're just looting and they're begging. Like they're literally just like knocking on people's like doors and they're just like, hey, do you have food? Like, dude, like. This is a snapshot of what this uh, new age of warfare is going to be because it, there's going to be the, you know, the mechanized component of it. You know, it's going to be highly, you know, digital and, you know, it's going to be cyber and advanced and whatever. But also what we have to understand is that there's going to be resource problems and it, like, because that's effectively what these wars are about, about now. It's going to become a resource war now between the, the different powers. And it's going to get medieval. I mean, we're seeing it now. They're they literally just like going into supermarkets and just like stealing like food. And like, I read one report, like they, they went into the store and they, they had never seen tangerines before. I don't necessarily believe that. But it's still like, it speaks to like how these soldiers, I mean, because I mean... The, <laughs> They're they're sending sending mainly like conscripts, so like these are not like the strongest guys, the the most experienced guys that they're sending. They're just sending in okay, go in there and just cause mayhem, I guess. I mean, and, and yeah, there's com- like it doesn't seem like they have like any like effective like NCO like system, so because they're having like major commanders on the field, like on, on in the front lines, 
and they're dying. Like they're they're killing a lot of commanders. The Ukrainians are killing a lot of Russian commanders. They killed like three uh, different commanders in uh, in like a 24-hour period. So I'm gonna start reading from the latest, the March 20th uh, statement from the uh, Institute for the Study of War. And you know it, it's. You know, this is a good rundown of what's exactly happening and how things are unfolding. So you read some of these reports and it's like, it's just straight up incompetence. Like the, the, the Russian high command is just so corrupt and incompetent. Like they do not care about the lives of their men. Like, holy shit. So just, just key points, you know, and you know, Again, we don't necessarily understand the fog of war, so there could be some exaggerations. But like some of the some of these reports that uh, that are coming out um, from the uh, just basically like the the troops and the, the 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 high command and just like just in general, like it, it doesn't look good. Like this is like um, the type of thing that could set up a mutiny for real. Like, <laughs> wow, man. Um, so yeah, so some key points, at least, um, from the Institute for the Study of War, or the ISW, uh, they wanted to at least talk about, uh, the fact that they're setting up the population for general mobilization, um, not just in Russia, but also in those occupied territories in the DNR and the LNR, those, uh, those republics that have been declared, and, they're saying how they're conscripting students in those universities over there over the age of 18 but they have like basically zero equipment and you know the morale is you know terrible uh they're also in in russia they're also starting to mobilize what's uh called this um uh this like russian youth army so basically like these cadet soldiers they're like they're just fucking boy scouts like 17 18 year old soldiers it's like oh man this war must be going great right <laughs> um yeah it's just crazy what they're what they're doing um let me also read so i'm quoting from directly from the, the isw uh, quote, the Ukrainian general staff reported on March 19th that Russian officials severely reprimanded the head of the 652nd Unit of Information and Psychological Operations for his weak efforts and inability to create the Kherson People's Republic. So they've taken Kherson, which is like the largest city under their occupation uh, in the southern region near Crimea, and I guess they're trying to like balkanize like this kind of tells you what what their plans are because they want to fully occupy the country and just balkanize it it's like so you're gonna have all these different so that, like they have oblasts so i guess kursum oblast is like its own like province so they're just gonna create independent states and then the plan is to annex them like what the hell is going on also they talk about uh, just mounting casualties and insubordination and desertions that they're facing so um in particular, they, they talk about these uh, VDV units, which are paratrooper units. And the reports that have been coming out, how they've been using these paratrooper units, it's just like, it actually makes me angry. Because, like, I mean, it's just like, dude, these are, like, highly skilled, highly trained men that, like, if are if used effectively, they're, like, are a serious force. And... They just like sent in basically, so in Hostomel, which is like an airport near Kiev, they sent in waves of these uh, helicopters, I guess MA, MI-8s, and, uh, which are transport helicopters, and they had these paratrooper units, and they took them to the, the airport, but they just dropped the paratroopers in um, with no armored support nearby, no, like nowhere. They hadn't even started the blitz yet. No air superiority. <laughs> like, I guess they wanted to, like, bring in, like, uh, transports and, like, just drop in, you know, the armor through the airport. Which could have worked. But 
they they still didn't have anything in the area like anything on the ground and still no air superiority like they still right now they have no air superiority like this this is crazy um and uh yeah those paratrooper units got decimated the the just completely obliterated like they're just gone either captured or dead in fact like not to be graphic but like i had, i saw like a a a photo of the remains of what was a paratrooper that had just been you know been killed and some stray dogs got to it like yeah it, it's like and you know i don't like look at those things to get any like it, it's just, like i don't it's not good like it, it's just something that i have to understand that this is what war is it is just yeah the the worst the worst um the how, how do i say this you see the best of people in certain circumstances but it's just complete darkness and evil and chaos and destruction so yeah man and then also uh there was a report also of another paratrooper brigade or paratrooper unit being dropped in the middle of the ocean can you imagine that like what do you think they knew that when they were going down like oh yeah we're um it's like they, they just look down it's like is that the fucking ocean uh yeah you, you're going to jump like oh my god dude like i'm pissed off and this is supposedly the enemy these are the guys that i'm supposed to hate but i understand how like they're being abused by their commanders and it's just like god like i'm pissed off at the, the upper echelon not these guys so and you know again you know and there have been reports of abuse from russian troops and rapes and like looting and pillaging as i said and as this war gets more you know as it gets dragged on further and further it's going to get more brutal um especially if these supply lines are overdrawn like yeah man like this could get really really bad really really bad so i don't want i don't want to like just read the full like quote the uh the full uh report from the isw um but they do talk at least about just the primary efforts of the russian invasion because their goal is complete occupation but if you if you actually see their front lines like they they still haven't they they can't even like they they still haven't occupied the eastern side of the Dnipro, so because there's still like a, a whole like army group there, and it seems that the, that army group is getting encircled, and I'm no and you know of course nobody's gonna ever hear from you know my end in the Ukrainian high command, but that army group cannot get encircled. Because if they're encircled, then, like, it's it. That's over. Checkmate. So, like, hopefully they're making, like, retreats and rearguard actions to uh, uh, Zaporizhia. Because that uh, river, Dnipro, like, that's not, like, a literal stream. That's a serious body of water. So, like, you could use that. Uh, you can use effective cho choke points to halt the Russian advance. Because, and you know, again, like, it, it's, like... You don't want to give up like half your country, but at the same time, it's like you also don't want to like get your main army encircled. So it's like, what options do you do? So in a way, like they kind of have to do maybe a, a scorched earth uh, sort of deal and just like completely raise, like evacuate the population, get as many people out of there as possible and completely raise everything and deny the enemy any sort of supplies, any sort of fuel that they can use. Because that's, that's the only way that, that that's it. Because their supply lines are already fucked. So if they can't loot our stores and loot our, you know, gas stations and fuel depots and... Yeah. Try make try to cross the Dnieper now. So, again, I'm not, you know... Some people might think that what I'm saying is super cruel. Like, I, I'm trying to take into account civilians and, like, they, like everybody needs to get evacuated. Um, they, like... You know, unfortunately, like, they're going to lose their homes, but on the same hand, it's just, like, do you want to, like, live under Russian occupation? Because, like, you know, again, like, I, I really don't understand how anybody could say, like, 
yeah, life under, you know, Russian rule for Ukraine is going to be better. Like, how do you honestly believe that? Like, I don't, I don't believe that for a second. So anyway, um, you know, people, of course, they don't want like a drawn out war and I can understand that, but you know, it's just interesting to me how they could say like, Oh, you know, insurgency in Ukraine is just unnecessary and you're bringing unnecessary harm. But then insurgency in Middle Eastern countries, well, that's justified because it's their homes and they're fight. Like, do you see now, like the double standard? I, you know, again, I don't want this to be an attack against any certain leftists. I'm just like, because I can understand the points that they're making. It's just that, you know, despite whatever criticisms that, People are making about the West and NATO, which I certainly agree with. Like, this war is unjustified. This occupation, this massacre of the Ukrainian people is unjustified. Like, there's, I, I again, and then so, and then for what? So some concessions of like, okay, fine, we're not going to join your fucking, that, that fucking club you don't like. Like, that that's it? You're going to kill my population? Because I, I was thinking maybe I might join a club, like, <laughs> Oh my goodness. That's basically what this is all about. Like it's just like high school politics except millions of people's lives are at stake. But anyway, I was going to talk at least the main efforts from the Russian army, uh, their invasion and attempted occupation of the country. So the main effort is Kiev and they're attempting to encircle that. They they still haven't encircled Kiev. Like it's crazy. Like the 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 prime minister of Poland um and I guess, and like uh, like Slovakia, I think the Czech Republic as well. They just like, they went into Kiev. They're like, fuck you. Like, it's just like, this is crazy. Imagine if Biden just, imagine if Biden goes to Kiev. Oh my God. Like that would be a power, that'd be a fucking big dick Sigma male power move. <laughs> just like, <laughs> anyway. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, like they haven't encircled Kiev. Um, although they're getting artillery in position and rocket batteries, so if they can't encircle the city, they're going to bomb the shit out of it. And that's what it's going to turn into. Although they still haven't had, they, they don't have air superiority. Like, that's that's just still crazy to me that they haven't accomplished that yet. Um, they're also um, attempting to take Kharkiv. They still haven't taken Kharkiv. It's under Ukrainian control. Or they did for a time. There was, you know, the initial phase that they overran defenses, and then there was a counterattack by the Ukrainians. So it's been kind of going back and forth, and they've been bombing and such. So that's been a hot spot. Um, and also, it's just a broader effort in that Luhansk area. They're trying to take. The Russians are trying to take Luhansk. Um, another effort is with Mariupol and the Donetsk Oblast. And Mariupol is is definitely uh, the worst fighting. And probably there's a case to be made that this is probably some of the worst fighting um, since like Grozny or just in general with urban warfare. And, you know, the uh, Ukrainian defenders are putting up a good fight. But I'm, I don't want to be like complimenting them too much because th this is the, the Azov units, you know, those uh, those uh, Nazis. <laughs> So, you know, on one hand, like, I don't want Russia to have this victory because if they take the city, then it's a, it's a pretty significant uh, step in their invasion and occupation. But at the same time, they're also fighting Nazis. So it's like, oh, fucking curb stop them. Like, so, and, and like, and there's also reports that these Azov units are like brutalizing civilians. And um, yeah, like I saw some images of like, uh, I don't know if it was exactly the Azov, uh, like so, an Azov soldier, although I wouldn't doubt it. But what what was happening is they were like wrapping uh, people to poles and basically leaving them out in the cold. And on occasion, they would pull people's pants down and just leave their like genitals hanging out. In fact, they like there was an image of a woman, a young woman, uh, and they had her pants down. So it was just like Jesus Christ, like what the fuck is going on? That's war. That's the SHTF. And, you know, even on the, the good, supposed good guys, the good side, there's going to be some wild dogs that are going to, they, they, they just want to use that outlet to brutalize and torture people. 
unfortunately, that is the nature of war. You just don't want like a whole unit dedicated to having sociopaths, torturers, and like, yeah, uh, you don't want that. Okay, so it's one thing if you just have one crazy guy in the unit, but people don't like like it. It's another thing when you have a whole unit where everybody's like, hey, yeah, okay, let's fucking go. Like, you don't want that. So it is interesting to me that they're still around. There's been people talking about like the depoliticalization that they said, yeah, they've been de- the, they've been depoliticized, but I'm like, they still have that like SS bullshit on their insignia. So like. I don't think so. <laughs> Man, this is a very nuanced issue that I still need to learn on. Uh, you know, again, I, my heart is with the Ukrainian people. Uh, just the civilians are in a shitty situation. Um, and, you know, my, you know, I, of course, I would, my, I'm on the side of Ukrainian sovereignty, but not, you know, this path of like ultranationalism because it's just the west in general has an issue with nazis and far-right people it's just that like military conflicts exacerbate that so these nut jobs are going to be stronger and they're going to be far more integrated into society you know they're like they're going to be in a serious position like dude there's going to be people that are going to run for office that are going to be directly from the Azov Battalion, but because they fought in this war, if if Ukraine wins and manages to force Russia to pull back and all that, th- these Azov soldiers are going to be like heroes, which is like what, <laughs> you know? So yeah, th- th- this is a really weird situation that's happening. And the more I read up on it, I'm just like, hmm, okay. <laughs> so yeah, as I've been saying, right? So Mariupol is. You know, the worst of the fighting, the city's encircled. This is like a serious humanitarian situation because uh, they're you know, the Russian troops encircling the city. They, they're they denying humanitarian convoys. They're, they're opening fire and uh, dropping uh, shells on the convoys. And people are, you know, melting down the snow for water, which is not healthy. Uh, like the food situation is not good. You know, there's been reports, you know, they, they just have to, like, leave the bodies out on the street because, it, like, there's just, there's too much bombing. Like, they, yeah, this is, this is bad. This is, like, a horrific situation that's happening. So, yeah. So, that's, like, the worst of the fighting at the moment. And their projections for the city to fall within the next couple of weeks. Who knows? Also, they are, um, you know, as I was talking about with Kirsten... You know they were trying to attempt. They were attempting to create an independent republic there. But what's been happening there is that the the population there is not too happy. I mean, it's not just Kherson. Like uh, many different cities are uh, under under Russian occupation are experiencing uh, these protests, and these people are unarmed and they're just like standing in front of the trucks and the tanks and the soldiers. Don't want to rush, run over the civilians because the whole mission is to protect the civilians. But the civilians don't want you there, and they're making life hard for you. And they're actually like throwing Molotov cocktails and such and such. So, yeah. Well, I mean, in this particular instance that I'm talking about, they there was no weapons involved. So they just had the protesters out in the street. And they were trying to get you know onto this, I guess, blockade or barricade from the Russian troops, and the Russian troops opened fire. So. Yeah, this is just going to be a thing that's going to happen now. Um, you know, and again, you know, I don't want it to make as, make it as though like Russian troops are bad because, I mean, our troops have done the same thing. <laughs> so, yeah, our police have done the same thing. So, yeah, the, yeah, this is just the nature of conflict. And, you know, the people are just jumpy. And especially if you are uh, souped up with, you know, weapons of war and equipment and trained specifically to suppress and you know put down any sort of threat and you're in an area hostile area where the population hates you and they're actively like sabotaging and you know making partisan attacks on you like yeah this is gonna this it's gonna get bad like it's just yeah man i don't know what putin is thinking about doing all this it's not worth it man because 
he, he's setting up the country for failure. So I want to see at least, let me read further if there's anything else I want to comment on. But that's basically what the war is turning into. Okay, so it's turning into a stalemate. Um, there, they just want to encircle these major cities, Kharkiv. Oh, no. So uh, one more point. So, so there's another town near Kherson, uh, Mikhailiv. And that town has seen a counteroffensive. So, yeah, the so yeah, I mean, Mikhailiv is under the control of, or it, yeah, it's just contested territory. It's just you know the 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 fact that the Ukrainians are able to like mount some kind of defense and some kind of pushback because like the, like this is a stalemate now. So. Yeah, it's possible. Like they're they're gonna make what what it is called, um, from what I understand, is defeating in detail. So they have to, you know, they have to attack isolated pockets and just wipe them out. And they have been doing that. They've been wiping out entire like armored units and like convoys and like dude, like it, this is gonna like start to wear down the 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 war effort for Russia. So yeah, so they're starting to make counteroffensives. And again, you know, you can read this report. This report is far more detailed and extensive than I can ever uh, put together. Um, but yeah, so they're also um, pointing out, the, the ISW is pointing out immediate items to watch out. So these are basically just their predictions of what's come. Because uh, this war is basically like the, this first stage of the war, this invasion, they've declared as a failure. And I mean, yeah, because like they haven't even taken half the country um so yeah um the the items that the predictions that they're making so the things that they're you know trying to watch out for as this war continues to evolve is uh that they predict that Mariupol will be uh captured by Russia within the next couple of weeks because i mean this is a complete like they're just like they're taking they're just bombing the place because i mean the fighting is just too hard in the city so who knows where things can go because the city is going to get destroyed. Um, Russia will expand its air, missile, and artillery bombardments of Ukrainian cities because the urban combat is just too hard. So they just got to do the long range, uh, you know, shots and hope the cities either get just completely destroyed. I mean, that's, they don't want to do that. They want to protect these cities and preserve it. But the populace is fighting too hard. It's just like, what the hell? So they're just gonna bomb it to to, to bits, and then and then what? And you're gonna have to rebuild everything with a population that hates you. Like, come on. Um, yeah, uh, Russian forces will likely continue efforts to reach uh, Kriviri and isolate Zaporizhia. So Zaporizhia is gonna be a very important um, choke point. It's basically gonna be like the heart. So once Mariupol like falls, I feel that uh, army group in the east seriously needs to fall back they need to fall back and go to Zaporizhia because that's where the Russian you know main effort is going to be although out of Kyrgyzstan they're going to probably attempt to take Zaporizhia from the west so it could very possibly get encircled as well so yeah there's just so many things how this can involve there's so many ways that this can involve but yeah um you know, continuing, uh, Russian forces around Kiev will continue efforts to bomb forward or to push forward into effective artillery range of the center of the city. So they're going to, yeah, they're, they're just, you know, they're slowly starting to encircle the city and put their artillery and long range uh, missiles and everything into place. In fact, they used, um, they, they, they recently used hypersonic nuclear capable missiles against uh, certain, I guess, either Kharkiv or Kiev. I mean, they're, they're going to start using some serious uh, munitions. Um, yeah, man, this is very scary what's about to happen. And I don't even think that, like, it, it it's slowly going to get in place, but once it's in place, all they got to do is just start loading, shoot, loading, shoot. That's all they got to do. And, dude, it's going to be bad. If they do it effectively. Because lately they've just been performing incompetently and also you know ukraine has been doing a 
measures. They've been using counter-battery measures and using drones to figure out, okay, where are those rockets coming from? And so, yeah, man, they like they have a leg up. They're, they're you know, they're 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 making some serious moves. Um, so that's what Kiev. And then also, um, they're saying uh, Russian troops will continue efforts to reduce Chernihiv and Sumy. So yeah, those two cities are. You're putting up a stiff resistance or just all the cities are putting up a stiff resistance and so what they have to do is level it and completely destroy the town which in a way is actually going to work for the defenders because then you can hide in the rubble and then you can pull any kind of like anti-tank weapons in there so it's just like well, i have no idea what they're thinking that what like what, what, what is going to happen when you move into the cities once you destroy it the few people are going to fight even harder so yeah, man, this is a really messed up situation, and you know that's all I wanted to at least talk. That's why that's what I wanted to talk about um, with this war, and um, I wanted to talk about at least some other effects that this war is having, just in general with the global markets and the global economy. And I'm reading from Al Jazeera, um, which is a pretty significant, uh, and this is a pretty significant uh, development in terms of global trade. Uh, particularly with oil, you know, as the spice, right? So the Saudis, in the wake of this war, they haven't like, like, they haven't officially like taken any sides, but they're floating the idea of accepting yuan. So at the moment, they only accepted really uh, U.S. dollars for oil sales. Now there might so basically what that means is that when they were doing business with China, China would have to use their reserves of U.S. currency to buy oil. But now Saudi Arabia wants the yuan, the Chinese yuan, or what's also called the renminbi, right? Yes, the renminbi. So that's a serious, serious move. That is um, holy shit moment. Um so yeah, so at least I wanted to quote from uh, Al Jazeera to talk about like different price movements that they made. Uh, quote, the offshore yuan climbed as much as 0.1% to 6.3867 per dollar. Close to the session peak it reached during Asian trading. The currency had weakened as much as 0.3% in U.S. trading before the report on Saudi Arabia. End quote. So, yeah, like there was a pretty like significant spike um, because th like there's no official like rapport. Like they haven't even like officially done it, but just like the hype of it, like just like, whoa, just made a jump. So that's pretty serious, uh, pretty significant, I should say. Quote, the outbreak of the Ukraine war and the swath of sanctions imposed on Russia as a result has brought to the fore questions about alternatives to U.S. currency based markets and the yuan is one in particular focus in light of china's relationship with russia saudi arabia's relationship with the u.s meanwhile has been buffeted by various issues ranging from yemen civil war to potential negotiations about iran's nuclear program so what they're saying is that in in a way saudi arabia has less beef with China than they do with the U.S. And so now, you know, things are getting tight. And the U.S. is like, hey, man, you got my back. And then Saudi Arabia was like, mm, I don't know. I don't know about this. Because, I mean, th this is all about the money in the end. And, of course, you know, Saudi Arabia, it, it's kind of it's weird. Because in the one hand... Russia, is, in, in terms of like natural gas and oil, is kind of a competitor with Saudi Arabia. But at the same time, you know, I guess Saudi Arabia also doesn't want to be pushed around because uh, the U.S. is in a really tight spot. The West is in a really tight spot. So it's kind of like one of those situations where it's like, because Saudi Arabia and the Middle East has been at odds with the West for, you know, centuries, you know. And then they look at China and Russia and it's like, well, we haven't really been beefing that much or, you know, not as much as with the West, even though we're doing business. So, again, that's like my interpretation of things, at least. And 
you know, things are, you know, right now still a bit gray. But just the fact that these developments are, you know, starting to brew, it, it is a sign of things to come. Um, let me see what else. Let me quote again. Uh, there was no indication from the Dow Jones report on the likelihood of Saudi Arabia making such a switch nor how much of its sales might be denominated in yuan if it were to change. It does, however, signal that the conversation around alternatives to the greenback is very much a live debate. So they're quoting this basically uh, head of a marketing strategy firm in Toronto named Sasha T. Hanyi. Named Sasha T. Hanyi. Um, so, quote, Perhaps it's more of a sentiment boost to the potential for wider use of renminbi. Continuing, I see some of its oil, so I'm not sure how relevant it is. So, yeah, that's basically what the uh, whole report is saying. You know, very early stages and nothing really definitive for the moment. But that's um that's pretty serious if they actually move ahead with that. Um, you know, in terms of trading and doing business, then that's a sign of things to come for the U.S., um, not just for oil, but also with like just our currency, because the only reason our currency has any worth is because people do business with it. So, <laughs> yeah, man, uh, that's uh, this is gonna be interesting. You know, this is not necessarily like the collapse of the U.S. dollar, but it's more just like okay, things are now even in terms of the global market, and the global trading system, the, the economy. So yeah. That's at least what I wanted to comment for now. But yeah, I um, I wanted to at least, you know, I believe this is a good point to wrap up. Or at least I wanted to talk at least some, just, you know, this weather event that's coming our way. Um, I'm kind of like keeping an eye on this live stream. But yeah, I'm kind of like sitting on the edge of this danger zone, like the red zone for this uh, weather system that's about to hit. So hopefully I can... Uh, edit and you know upload this online before it really gets bad but yeah uh it's like calm and you've probably heard some wind going on um but yeah considering you know how disastrous the winter storm was if like a some serious like flash flooding and tornadoes come through this area it could cause a blackout so this could cause like a serious shtf situation now i got my fuel my car's fueled up uh, I got my water. I actually do have some propane. Um, I got some food. I'm ready. In fact, I'm also like um, freezing some water jugs so I can use for refrigeration. So, yeah, um, we're just gonna. I'm just gonna have to see how this weather uh, pans out. For the moment, it's actually kind of dry. It was raining for a bit, but it's still very windy. Um, yeah, and I definitely don't want to be out and about doing my work and then get caught in the middle of a storm. In fact, this is not the first time we've had like uh, tornado uh, warnings in the area. Like I think a year ago, there was a tornado that formed just like north of us, like not even a mile out, out, out of town. And uh, it moved on to a uh, trailer park on Alaska. It moved out there. It was, an, I guess, an F3, they said. So that's a pretty serious storm. So hopefully nothing like that happens out here. And um yeah, there's you know, we're in the hilly area, so there's lots of runoff. Um I'm in on a, I'm on the second story, so it would have to be some like biblical levels of flooding to like to pose any threat to me. But yeah, we'll just have to see how things unfold and I'm actually kinda surprised how like they didn't cancel like school or close things down, but you know it, the worst of it is going to hit tonight. So tomorrow We'll have to see what's going to happen. Um, I'm not too worried. So, you know, I can write it out. It does suck that it's going to be at night. I'm going to have, I'm just going to have to find a way to stay up and, you know, weather the storm because, you know, I'm, uh, there's like a little, like, uh, place where I can, like, hide under in case uh, we do have a, a storm, a tornado in our path. But, yeah, um... Yeah, you know, and I do want to apologize for any background noise that you may have heard today. Uh, apart from the noise, I've come to realize that this is just like a loud area that I live in. 
um, you know, loud neighbors and loud cars. And you know, and I live in America, so there's always police sirens going on. Uh, yeah, so yeah, you know, there's like they're, they're, they have studios in my university, and I've been tempted to use them. Um, but at the same time, you know, what I'm discussing and the subject matters that I'm discussing is just like, do I want somebody overhearing what I'm saying? Because like, it, this is not really something that I want people to. Well, it's like. I'm embarrassed with what I might put out in public. It's like, I, I don't know how to describe it. It's because it, it's school, you know? So it's just like, I'm not really, you know, going to be a uh, school friendly, to say the least. You know, discussing some very, some very dark subject matters. But anyway, it, it's just like, I have to find a way to make a quiet spot or I can probably maybe do something in my closet, but it's really tight and I don't want to be all claustrophobic, but... Yeah, it's just something that I'm gonna have to bear with, and I do apologize. I, I I try to at least like reduce the noise and post editing, but there's only so much that I can do. Um, but anyway, you know, other than that, um, I do appreciate y'all. You know, bearing with me and listening with me, and you know, you know, I'm in a position where like I can really only do this podcast where I can just hit record and then. I guess rant and rave for an hour or so and yeah you know there's there's so much that I want to do it's just like you know I don't necessarily have the skills for it nor the time for it or the resources the hardware the software it's just there's so much that I want to do but at the very least I know where the ambitions that I have where they are um, it's just you know a matter of dedicating my time um, you know I'm trying my best with DoorDash stuff, but with this, you know, with these gas prices, like, it, I guess this golden age of gig work is just done. Um, so, you know, I'm trying to see if I can get some remote work. Uh, it's uh, it's gonna be interesting how I'm gonna work out my school schedule. Although we're kind of like reaching the the last half of our uh, school time or the semester. Yeah, but otherwise. You know, that's just something that I have to figure out daily. But, you know, I just want to, like, I, I keep thinking, like, okay, I just need this, and then I can do what I need to do. And it's just like, no, whenever I reach that stage, there's always some other obstacle in the way, so then I can't reach it. So I just got to do it. But I, I know what I want to do. It just, like, requires, like, true research. Like, I actually have to get books and such. And, like, you know, like, because um, since I'm studying a history degree, I've been thinking of doing history podcast where I do effectively just like audio documentaries on a specific SHTF and apocalyptic situations in history. You know, I figured it's a lot easier to talk about past events, you know, fucked up situations than ones that are happening right now or may happen down the line. Because people don't want to, people don't want to imagine, you know, stuff like uh, starvation and um, famines and plagues and cannibalism and rape and murders and all that stuff like they, they don't want to think about that happening in their lifetime but they're more content with reading about it you know like hundreds or thousands of years ago it's a, it's a lot easier to digest that but anyway um <laughs> and i and you know i'm not trying to trivialize those things it's just you know i feel like it's important to at least if we're going to talk about shtf and collapse and the apocalypse in our lifetime it might do us good to look and see, look at situations where people have truly, like, in a way, people have lived through, like, true, like, mass extinction events, like the, the Mount Toba uh, eruption. Humanity was, like, reduced to, like, about 10,000, you know, individuals. Like, that's crazy. Like, yeah. So, yeah. That's just, like, that's just something that, like, I'm thinking about, which is going to require more time and, and energy and you know, and like I live basically like day to day, so it's just like, how, how can I do that? Um, so I'm just telling you all that at least, so you don't think like this is the only thing that I want to do, because like I know that this is not necessarily like the culminations of my work, because I know I can do more. It's just like I like I, I'm so limited. But anyway, um, anyway, it's just you know, you know, I just want to talk at least, you know, because this is really like the only place I can really talk. Um, Sometimes it's like be my true self, right? 
It's like, so I just saw the Batman. <laughs> Great movie, by the way. Perfect movie. Like, I, I, I still don't know how I didn't manage to go to the bathroom. Like, it didn't feel like three hours to me. But I'm going to spoil it. So, at, at this point, it skip ahead, like, I guess, like, a, a couple minutes or so. There's um a scene, right, where he figures out, or where he figures out the Riddler, and... They, they go to like this encrypted message, this video message, and like, oh, what is this? Okay. And so they, they type it in, and they load up the message, and then they have the Riddler. He just comes on. He's like, hey, guys, uh, thank you so much, because like, the Riddler has like this channel, and so he's just, he has like 500 followers, so he's like a content creator, like mystery dude. Like, <laughs> hey, guys, thanks so much for watching, and you know I really appreciate you know what we've done together. You know, it's just been a, a crazy journey for us. Like... <laughs> That's in a way I'm just like damn this is very relatable like cuz <laughs> um I I just you know I I don't know how else to express my gratitude for those who listen to me even though like it, the stuff that I put out is like it, it's lacking like there's it, it's I know there's more that, that there's more but or you no know, maybe I can just maybe I'm just being too hard on myself but I just I just you know yeah I just I you know you have this world in you head in your head that you want to put out there, but there's your your skills are so limited. So, anyway, uh, thank you for listening. Uh, you know, I'll try to get something out. And hopefully, this uh, weather doesn't fuck us up. But yeah, I appreciate y'all listening and uh, tune in. Hang in there. Thank you. <laughs>